Amen. I ain't even going to lie about it. I need forgiveness every day. Not always from God, sometimes from Glenn. And every day from Robin. Thomas, you act like you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> if you have your Bibles, would you turn to Luke chapter 15? I feel a whole lot better than I did last week. My voice kind of comes and goes, but uh, the Lord really hasn't given me a word to preach, per se, but he has given me an exhortation for you, the body of Christ. Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you for your word. Hmm. Lord, we pray tonight that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would anoint our ears to hear what your Spirit would say. God, help us to take it to heart and be resolved to obey you and your word. Change our life, change our focus, change our outlook as we help to change our world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I'm sure by now most all of you are aware that probably in my book, the greatest evangelist that ever lived has gone on to his heavenly reward, Billy Graham. What a man of integrity. What a man of character. What a man of conviction. What a man of commitment and dedication and faithfulness. And I don't even have the vocabulary to describe this man of God. I remember 40 years ago, right after being born again and surrendering my life to Christ, I was consumed and mesmerized by the Word of God. I could not get enough of it. At the fire station when I was on duty, once we finished our daily chores, uh, mowing and cleaning and sweeping and mopping and doing the windows and shining trucks and poles and all the stuff that goes with that. In between making calls and responding to alarms, when I had free time, I was always in the Word of God. Couldn't get enough of it. Didn't always understand what I read, but I kept reading anyway. And every time, along about that time, they came out with this thing called Christian television. Man, I hit a gold mine. Because we had cable at the fire station. We didn't have it out in the country. We just had 3, 6, and 12. And I remember watching Billy Graham on that cable TV, and he said something that I've never forgotten in all of these years. And it was this. 80% of all people, that come to know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, come as a result of one-on-one -on -one witnessing. Think about that. Only 20% of all people throughout the world 
that come to know Jesus as their Savior come as a result of all of the churches of all denominations, all of the radio ministries, all the television ministries, all the crusades, all of the revivals, all of the tent meetings, all of the Bible schools, only 20%. Now that's relevant and that's important, and that 20% is noteworthy, but I want you to recognize and embrace the significance and the importance that you personally have in the building of the kingdom of God. Listen, it's not Pastor Marvin, it's not my position as a pastor at this church or any other pastor's job to grow a church. Did you know that? I want you to know that it's the pastor or the shepherd's responsibility to feed sheep, to be there when you're sick and to encourage you when the devil's trying to get you to throw in the towel and to give up. But the word says that sheep beget sheep. It's you whose derrieres are in those seats. It's your responsibility and it's your duty to birth new sheep. Some will maybe only reach one in your entire life. Praise God, all the heavens rejoice over one coming home. You may reach tens or hundreds or even thousands, but the importance of your contribution to the body of Christ cannot be overemphasized. And we've become so consumed with the busyness and the cares of life that oftentimes, without meaning to, we get caught up in the rush and the hustle and the bustle, and we forget the importance of my being sensitive to that voice of the Holy Spirit to say something to my waitress down at the restaurant or to speak a word to someone that's in the checkout line at the grocery store. It doesn't have to be a sermon, and you don't need to be weird, and you don't need to have to try to impress them and dazzle them with footwork and impress them with how much you know. I want you to understand this. The letter killeth, but the Spirit of God giveth life. I've seen more people run away from God with the Word by people that did not have any discernment or any desensitivity to the Spirit of God. They were just going to force-feed people. They were going to try to force people. Listen, you can't force them. The word says, no man comes to the Father lest the Spirit draws them. Okay, everybody's relevant. Everybody plays a part. There may be some old mother prayer warrior over there somewhere that's been praying for that lost wayward daughter that's waiting tables or doing whatever, fill in the scenario. And the Holy Spirit's been at work in that young lady's life and dealing with her heart, drawing her to a place that, when she's going through this adversity and that adversity, she's beginning to cry out and begin to think, I need help. I need God. I need something that I don't have. And about the time he's got her to that place, guess who comes along? You do. And the voice of the Lord speaks to you as you give an order that she's having a rough day. I might just need to ask her if there's anything I can pray with her about. I might need to know if she asks her, if, if she knows Jesus. This is just a, an overview blanket I'm giving you, but I'm wanting you to know that every day in life, God sets up strategic appointments. 
I was sharing with Nathaniel a while ago something, and I'm going to probably get in real trouble right here, theologically. Of course, y'all know I'm not, not much on being trying to impress you with theology, although we need good sound theology and doctrine and all of that. We, I know that. So many pastors, let me put it this way, so many preachers, whether you're evangelist, pastor, preacher, teacher, we try to power play people into coming to the altars out of a pride thing that makes it look good that, hey, I did a good job. I had X number of people at the altars. And we'll use this verse. We'll say, you know, the word of God says, unless you confess me before men, I'll be ashamed to confess you before my father. Unless you walk down this aisle and are seen of men, you ain't saved. That's not what the word of God says. You can get saved in a jail cell. You can get saved at the barn. You can get saved at work. You can get saved in church. You can get saved on the lake fishing. You can get saved anywhere, anytime that the Spirit of God deals with your heart, knocks on that door, and you open it up, and you receive the gift of salvation. What that verse is talking about is this. This is applies to Christians. If you're, in, if you're in here tonight and you're a Christian, give me your hand real quick. Raise it up. Put it down before somebody sees you. That verse is saying this. When I strategically set up that divine appointment at the uh, restaurant with that waitress, and you know it in your spirit, and you know it in your heart that you should say something, but you're ashamed to her, you're scared to her, you begin to give reasons of, I don't want her to think I'm weird, or I don't want her to think I'm some kind of religious nut. Or we begin to make all kind of excuses, and we talk ourselves out of obeying the Spirit of God and speaking into that young person's life. That's what that verse is talking about. You're ashamed to confess, talk about him to people. That's when he goes, oh, no, 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 no. So my message tonight is this. It's an exhortation. For those of you here tonight that raised your hand and said, I'm a Christian, I'm a child of God. Chapter 15, Luke. By the way, let me throw this in before I forget it. If you weren't here Tuesday night, you missed a blessing. And you need to be here this next Tuesday night for Scott Kemp teaching on the book of Hebrews. I promise you it's powerful, it's profound, and you need to be here. Don't let nothing keep you from being here, okay? Chapter 15, verse 1. I'm going to read more than I preach tonight. I'm going to read the entire 15th chapter. Some of you may think I need to get hooked on phonics before it's over with. <clears throat> Chapter 15, verse 1. Christians, listen with your spiritual ears. Then all of the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes complained, saying, This man receives sinners, and he eats with them. So he spoke this parable to them, saying, what man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine just persons who need no repentance. Verse 8, or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she has found it, 
she calls her friends and neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I lost. Likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Then he said, verse 11, A certain man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided them his livelihood. And not many days after the younger son gathered all together and journeyed into a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in that land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to the citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, but no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, King James Version says when he came to his senses. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against you, heaven, and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and fell, ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight and am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fatted calf here and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. Now his older son was in the field. And as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what these things meant. And he said unto him, Your brother has come, and because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. But he was angry and would not go in. Therefore his father came out and pleaded with him. So he answered and said unto his father, Lo, these many years I have been serving you. I never transgressed your commandment at any time. And yet you never gave me a young goat that I might be merry, make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours came, who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed the fatted calf for him. And he said unto him, Son, you are always with me. And all that I have is yours. It is right that we should make merry and be glad. For your brother was dead and is alive again, and was lost and is found. What is it about these three parables? What's the common denominator? It's all dealing with something that's lost. And the message to us, saints, if we're to be imitators of Christ and we're to pattern our life after Jesus and we're to try to let his thoughts be our thoughts and his ways be our ways and his words be our words, we need to remember that he clearly and plainly said these words, I have come to seek and to say that which is lost. Since back in the book of Genesis, the first question God ever asked, was Adam, 
Where art thou? He's been a seeker of the lost and those that are hiding since the beginning of time. And he still seeks the lost. He still passionately in pursuit of those who are destined for hell. Carol, God gave me a song title. You can write a song. I wrote it down because I'm not smart enough to remember it. Do you have a reservation for a room in hell? Or do you own a mansion in heaven? The difference is lost, found. Sinner, saved. Degenerate child of God. That's the difference. If you've not ever come to know Jesus as your personal Savior, my friend, you have a reservation and a destiny in hell. That's not God's plan for your life. That's not what he wants for your life. That's not his will. His will is this. I would that none perish, but that all come to life. That's why he said, I stand at the door and knock. If you'll open the door, I will come in and sup with you and you with me. But there's that word that's conditional. If you'll open. But what about it, Christian? When is the last time you shared your love for Christ with someone else? A very quick overview is we need to remember some things such as it's the goodness of God that causes men to repentance. It's not the hellfire and brimstone, beat them over the head and tell them where they're, that they're going to hell, even though they are without Christ. It's the love of God, the goodness of God the forgiveness of God, the grace of God that makes men desire this God that so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. It's this God that loves us in spite of us. It's this God that looks beyond our faults and sees our needs. It's this God that created us in his image, in his heart, his passion, his desire is to spend time with you, not only on planet earth, but throughout eternity. That's his plan for you. Christians, are you being obedient to and sensitive sensitive to the voice of God when he divinely sets up that opportunity for you to be his hand extended, to be his voice to speak, to be the one that loves the unlovable, to be the one that not just helps somebody out of the ditch, but will get down in the ditch with them and help them out? Are you that one that talks a big game or do you put actions to your words? Do you walk it out? Do you live it? Like the old saying goes, the world, the lost people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Very simple. Mom used to tell me and Danny, I'm sure he got as tired of hearing it as I did. He'd say, she'd say, son, I can't hear what you're saying for what I see you doing. I'd be, I'd be trying to tell her I wasn't being as bad as Danny was telling her I was, and she'd say, I can't hear what you're saying for what I see you doing. 
Brothers and sisters, I'm going to close because I don't need to beat you up with this. All you need to do is take a step back. Take a deep breath. Remember what manner of man or woman you once were and where God has brought you from, what he's already done in your life, what he wants to do in your life, and how he wants to use you to be a difference maker in someone else's life. That he wants you to represent him in a way that when they see you, hear you, or hear you, they are seeing the example that Jesus would want you to represent. The best sermons I've told are seen, not heard. You all know the word says this, that your life is a living epistle. It's a living book known and read of all men. What are they reading? What are your coworkers reading at work? Those that you go to school with, play ball with, what are they seeing? How do you live? Is it contrary to your words? Or are you living what you talk? Bow your heads. If you're in this place tonight, you say, Dennis, I love the Lord and I'm on my way to heaven. But I want to be honest with myself and I want to be honest with God. I have not even been really conscious or aware of the fact that I need to be a witness, that I need to be his voice, and that I, he wants to use me. Tonight I ask him to forgive me of that. And you want to make a commitment to learn to be still and hear the voice of God and to obey the voice of God. You want to make that commitment to him that he can count on you in the days ahead to reach out to the lost, just like these parables that we read. You know, one mentioned the wilderness. That's the world in which we live. One mentioned getting up and sweeping the house. I believe that pertains to our family. We've all got family members and friends and loved ones that Unless they come to Jesus, the end result is not going to be good. You say, Dennis, that's me. I want to make that commitment to God that he can use me. Could I see your hand? Anyone, anywhere? Yes, yes, yes. You can put them down. Maybe you're here tonight and you say, Dennis, I'm like that prodigal son parable that you read that I once walked with God lived with him but I've walked away of my own choosing and I'm out there living a life in, in a pig pen and I'm starving to death and I hadn't even realized until tonight what I was starving to death for and it's that my spirit man is bone dry hungry and thirsty and I need to come back to my heavenly father if that's you could I see your hand tonight slip it up slip it right back down anyone anywhere yes ma'am Thank you. Yes, sir. Thank you, young man. Anyone else? Quickly, slip it up. I want you to notice what he said at the end of that parable. He told his servant, go get a robe, the best robe. See, that robe represents no nobility. 
We're sons of the Most High King, daughters of the Most High King. He said, get that ring. <coughs> that ring that has that family crest, which is his name. He gives us that name to, to go, and we have power in the name of Jesus. He puts shoes on him. Shoes are a sign of a free man. See, in that day and age, slaves were barefooted. Only free men wore shoes. Tonight, he wants to set you free from the weight of the sin that you've been carrying, and he wants you restored back into the family the way that you should be. So pray with me this prayer and just reach out to God from the bottom of your heart. See, it's not really so much the words, it's the heart. Just say, Lord Jesus, like the boy in the story, I don't deserve your love, but I know you give it to me. So I ask you, Lord, to forgive me of my sins, to cleanse me, and to restore me into that relationship that I too can be one of those that you can count on to tell others of your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen. Lord, I lift pray for these that have raised their hand tonight that have said they've been remiss and lacking in the areas of being a witness, that tonight have wanted to make a commitment to themselves and to you, to in the days ahead to be more sensitive to your voice and more obedient to the things that you speak so that as we wind down in the end, that we'll see a harvest of hungry, hurting, broken, wounded people, lost people be found. And come to know you. Come to know the power of Christ. We ask it in Jesus' precious name. Amen. I might just add to be sure and be praying for Nathaniel. He's going to be leaving right after the service, going to Dallas. His grandmother is a founder in the floor. Uh, with a brain aneurysm. Doctors aren't giving much hope, but uh, Nathaniel's going over to be with his mom and them. And In fact, let's just pray for him. Lord, we just thank you for traveling mercies that you'd go before Nathaniel tonight. Lord, that you'd keep him safe. I pray, God, for his family that are, are gathering up tonight. Lord, and sometimes we don't even know how to pray, as Nathaniel and I have already talked. And God, we just come to you tonight and we look to you and we ask that your perfect will be done, whether it's to raise her up with healing, to take her gently. Whatever is the right situation for her life, a family doesn't even know how to ask for what they want. God, we ask that your perfect will be done. We'll be sure to say thank you. We thank you for the lives of this prayer warrior that have been touched by her faithful prayers and the life that she's lived. To bind that family together with love, meet each and every need that they have. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.